But I want to start this morning by asking you a question. What is the best invitation that you have ever received? Not some of the best, but what was the best one? It might have been an invitation to do a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It might have been that you've been invited to do something that you never thought you could possibly be able to uh, or be invited to do. Maybe it was just a simple invitation for you that was the best invitation, an invitation to spend some time with some friends or family um, and spend some time with those who are closest to you. But what was the best invitation that you have ever received? For me, I've had lots of great invitations, but one of my favorite invitations that I ever had uh, was that I got invited to go and watch England play Germany at Wembley Stadium in the last 16 of Euro 2020. Live in the stadium, amazing opportunity, but sadly, I had to turn the invitation down. Can you believe it? Now, when England are playing football, I like to plan ahead. I get the dates in my diary, um, and uh, let's be honest, if England are playing, well, actually, there's quite a lot of people who support different nations in our church now, but let's be honest, most people don't want to see me, and I love you all dearly, but I'm sorry, I don't want to see you, unless we're watching the football together, in which case, come on over, and we'll all watch the football together. So I had my diary booked out. And I was all set to sit at the sofa at home with my England hat on and my England top on and cheer England on as we try to take over uh, or as we try to uh, finally defeat Germany in a major tournament and make it through to the next round. When I received a phone call from my uncle and my uncle had managed to get tickets to go and watch the game live in the stadium and he said, Matt, you can have one. Come along and join me. Now, at this point, I got very excited and I thought, great, I've definitely got the afternoon clear, but to get down to Wembley and then back again, it's going to take a little bit longer, so let me check what else is in my diary. And as I looked at my phone, I got my phone out, I looked at my diary and my heart sank. I had another commitment. I had a meeting here at church and I suddenly had a moral dilemma. Do I ditch the meeting or do I go to watch the football. What could or what should I I had to stick to my commitment that I'd made to other people. Uh, I'm sure there'll be other, other matches where we beat Germany in the, in the Euros. Um, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities, but I'd made a commitment. What would it have said if I'd have said about my priorities, if people who are giving up their time for our church and the minister turns around and says, oh, I've got a better offer, so I'm off over there instead. Or um, what would it say about my priorities, that I'm here building the kingdom of God with this great, wonderful bunch of people, and because uh, the drop of a hat, I drop it for a better offer that comes along. So instead... I, through gritted teeth, declined my uncle's invitation and sat at home on my sofa. But it's all right, because England won, and that made me happy, and we uh, celebrated together. But what is the best invitation that you have ever 
received. Today we are continuing our series looking at the change that Jesus can make in our lives. And we're looking at the story of a guy called Levi who we're going to read in a moment. Now Levi, as you'll hear, has a re- also receives an amazing invitation, an invitation that's clashed with his work schedule, an invitation that would impact the rest of his life. But as we'll hear, there was no way that Levi was going to turn down this invitation that he receives from Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, today we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, and uh, from, uh, we're going to be starting at verse 27 and working our way down to verse 32, and the words will be on the uh, screen if you want to follow um, as we read together. But before we go any further, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read uh, God's word together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you invite us all into this great story to follow you, to know you, and for the way in which your word reveals who you are to each one of us. And so, Lord God, as we gather together this morning, whether we're here in person or with us online, Lord, would you be speaking by the presence of your spirit? Uh, Would you give us ears and uh, hearts to hear what you are saying? as to how we might follow you and know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 5, and we're starting at verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, or not, no, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is such a small, short, simple passage, uh, but in many ways, as I was sitting down reading it, the more I read it, the more questions it gave me. Jesus is walking down the street and he sees Levi. Now, there's no comment about any further interaction. It just seems like this is just a chance encounter followed by Jesus' invitation, hey, Levi, come and follow me. The next thing we know is that Levi just drops everything and then goes and follows Jesus. So question number one, what is it that drew Jesus to Levi? Presumably, Jesus had been wandering around all day, and he'd not just been saying to any Tom, Dick, and Harry, follow me, because otherwise, this would have just been another encounter that Jesus had with another person. So why is this this invitation of Jesus to Levi uh, stuck out so much to Luke as he compares his gospel? The next question is that this all is very quick and abrupt. It's like the equivalent of uh, meeting a girl for the first time. The gentleman in the room will know the feeling well. You fall in love and you say, hey, what's your name? And she says, hi, my name's 
Gertrude. And you go, hi, Gertrude, will you marry me? It's a bit, a bit, a bit quick to the mark, isn't it, of going, uh, going from zero to 100 miles an hour. We also have to question Levi's response. Now, put yourself in Levi's shoes for a moment, okay? You're walking down the street and uh, off to church today, and uh, this guy comes up to you and he says, Hi, great to see you. Leave everything you've got and follow me. What would you do? I think you'd go home, you'd get you into the warm, you put your dinner on, and then you maybe consider it a little bit if you're lucky, otherwise you'd just go home and carry on. Why is it that Levi was so quick to leave everything that he had behind to go and follow Jesus? The truth is that we might be able to have a guess or read between some of the lines as to why Jesus meets Levi in this way. As Julie was saying a couple of weeks ago, looking at all these different interpretations as to what might be happening in his story. It might be that this is just some of the highlights of what happened in this encounter. And Luke just is given as a headline story of what's happening. We don't know. But one thing we do know for sure is that what happened in this encounter raised the the eyebrows of the Pharisees, of the religious elites that Jesus so often clashed with throughout uh, throughout his ministry. Tax collectors, to put a bit of context here, were not generally well liked people. I mean, tax collectors probably aren't liked by many of us today here. And, you know, you get the letter through the door saying you've got to pay us more money. No one likes to receive those letters. But back in the time of Jesus, they were disliked even less. Not only did they take people's money away from them, but they were also known as extortion artists and con men, often skimming off extra tax off the top in order to be able to take extra money for themselves. And if that wasn't bad enough, Not because they wear a funny cloak on BBC One with Claudia Winkleman wearing a big funny uh, uh, jumper, but they were traitors because they worked for the Romans. And the Romans were this big, strong, controlling force uh, that the Jewish people desperately wanted their freedom from. But instead, the tax collector set came, they took all their money, and then they went and gave it to the Romans to be able to support them in their position underneath them. So there was something fundamentally that people did not like about tax collectors. But despite all the questions that this passage raises, the central message that Jesus reveals to us as he invites Levi to come and follow him is that Jesus invites us all to be a part of his story. He invites us all to come and follow him today as well. Jesus saw and he cared about Levi. To our knowledge, he'd never met Levi before. He may have done, he may not have done, but who knows? Uh, Levi hadn't, to our knowledge, been one of those people who was following around Jesus from a distance, keeping an eye on him, seeing what was doing, getting a bit of a feel for him before. He said, as far as we know, this is a cold encounter. Levi is just sitting in his tax booth, doing his work, getting on with his life, and then he meets Jesus. And Jesus comes up to him, and he sees him, and he meets him where he was and for who he was. 
It didn't matter to Jesus that Levi was a tax collector. It didn't matter what everyone else thought about him. Jesus could see beyond the job. He could see beyond the public persona. And he just saw Levi for who Levi was. Jesus could even see beyond what Levi saw in himself. No rabbi in their right mind would have wanted to have a tax collector as one of their disciples. At the best, it would have sent the wrong message. At the worst, it could have completely disrupted their reputation. I'm sure the last thing that Levi was expecting was for Jesus to invite him to follow him. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. The great truth of this passage is that Jesus saw Levi for who he was. And just as he saw Levi, he also sees each one of us here today just for who we are as well. It doesn't even matter what you think about yourself. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And he sees you for who you are, for where you're at. And he says, come, follow me. To fully appreciate this passage, we need to jump back a couple of pages, back to Luke chapter 4. Um, and Jesus there starts out his public ministry and goes to the synagogue in, back in Nazareth. And as he does so, he's given a scroll um, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah in what has often become known as Jesus' manifesto, the whole thing that Jesus stood and lived for uh, and, and wanted to fulfill throughout his ministry. So Jesus is handed the scroll, he stands up and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He set the, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then Jesus finishes his reading. He hands the scroll back to the attendant and he says, and today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to meet with nice, he, he didn't just come to meet with nice religious type people that, he, that, he, that you would expect him to hang out with. He came to change and transform lives. He came to proclaim good news to the poor who so often had so little good news to experience. He came to give freedom to those who were trapped in their circumstances and were unable to break free. He came to proclaim the favour of God to all people and not just a few. We might question why Jesus was drawn to Levi, but when we recognise why Jesus came, when we read this passage in Luke 5 in the context of Luke 4, it suddenly gets an awful lot clearer. Jesus cared for Levi. And it also explains not only why Jesus cared for Levi, but it also explains why he cares so much for us today as well. As Julian mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the Pharisees were often shocked uh, and, uh, and questioned Jesus's motives. Often we can see the, the Pharisees as characterized in churches as baddies and people who stood in opposition to Jesus. 
And it's certainly true that Jesus regularly clashed with the Pharisees throughout his ministry, but that doesn't necessarily mean to say that they were bad or mean people. It's just that their worldview and all that they thought and all that they'd been taught and all that they believed was being challenged and changed. And as it was challenged and as it changed, they struggled to adapt with that change. I've had conversations with people here in our church who can identify with what that's like here in this church. It's all changing, Matt. Why? Um, It's just the way the world is going. And Jesus is the biggest change this world has ever seen. So I'm sure we can then sympathize why uh, the Pharisees and the, and the religious lo- rulers might have struggled to understand what it was that Jesus was saying. The Pharisees' core belief really was that they believed that holiness and righteousness with God were found through purity. So getting, being a good person with God was by being found to be pure. And the best way to keep pure is by keeping separate from things that might make you not so good. It's what the religious law was, uh, were, was often about, was separating yourself from people who were seen as unclean because they might make you unclean. And this makes sense to a certain degree in our world. If you don't want to get muddy, what's the best way to sleep clean? Don't go running through mud. Keep separate. Uh, It makes sense. But Jesus is bringing in a new era. Jesus doesn't require us anymore to separate ourselves to make ourselves holy, but instead he wants to draw near to us that he might make us pure, that he might make us holy, and invite each one of us into a relationship with God. Our humanity today remains broken and sinful. But here is the good news. Jesus has the power to change and transform all the stuff that might not be pure, that might not be good, that might not be holy, and make it pure and good and holy and perfect. Ultimately, this was what led Jesus to the cross that he might lay down his life as a sacrifice that we might truly live, that we might be transformed by the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to separate or distance himself from any one of us here today. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you have done, no matter what mistakes you have made, the decisions that you've made, It doesn't matter what other people think of you or even what you think of yourself. Jesus wants to invite you to come and follow him this morning. Jesus looks beyond all of that and he just says, come, follow me. So as Jesus invites Levi to follow him, Uh, We've seen a little bit about why Jesus wanted to invite Levi, but then Levi makes this wonderful, radical, audacious response. Not only does he accept Jesus' invitation, but he leaves everything behind to do so. It didn't matter what Levi was in the middle of. 
It didn't matter that he had other plans. It didn't matter what other people thought of him. It didn't matter the fact he was still at work. He dropped everything he had and he went and followed Jesus. So why would Levi make such a response? Well, the reason is that when you encounter the good news of Jesus, when you see what he's about and what he's inviting you to come and be a part of, you just don't think twice. This is the gospel message. This is why Christians say we have good news. It's actually good news. And as a result, when there's good news, you want to go and experience it. The message of good news to all people is that Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor, to set captives free, to come and change and transform your life, to give us all life in all its fullness. No matter how good or difficult life might have been for Levi, none of it mattered. Jesus had invited him to come and follow him and he wasn't going to miss out on that invitation. But let's take a moment to be honest with ourselves. How often do we follow Jesus like Levi followed Jesus today? There is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following Jesus. Following Jesus means being willing to let go of everything else that we might pick up our cross and follow him that we might let go of everything else, that we might hold on to Jesus. Yet how easy, how tempting it can be to try and follow Jesus whilst also holding on to other things, being unwilling to let go of them. How easy it is to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's good news. I'm going to follow you. But don't make me leave my job. Oh, Jesus, I really want to follow you, but just don't make me move house. Oh, Jesus, I really want to follow you, but please don't make me spend any money. Oh, Jesus, I really want to follow you, but don't make me do that because I'm really uncomfortable and I just can't get my head around how I might do that. Jesus, I really want to follow you, but I want to follow you on my terms, on my time, in my way. Jesus can and will change our lives. He invites us to follow him. But there is a cost. The call of discipleship is a radical, audacious response to Jesus and his invitation to us all to follow him, to leave what we have and to follow him, recognising that he is so much better than anything that we already have. He is the good news that we've all been longing to hear and waiting for. So the challenge for us all is, will we accept Jesus' invitation without holding on to anything else? Jesus says, follow me. Will you follow? What are you holding on to this morning? Are you willing to leave all that you are, all that you have behind in order to follow Jesus, that you might find a new and greater future in him. Having decided to follow Jesus, Levi decides to then throw a party. 
now everyone can get a bit excited. That idea of talking about leaving stuff, that's a little bit uncomfortable. But parties, we like parties, so we can listen again now. That's good. Uh, so Jesus invites his friends, or, or, or Levi in, invites all his friends to come and join him to this party. And uh, he brings all his mates, loads of other people, just like Levi, all with their troubles and their uh, reputations and lots of people, all like him, come to meet Jesus and to have this great big party together, um, celebrating the good news that Levi had encountered and, asked, and in, uh, given the opportunity for others to encounter the same good news that he had found too. But whilst the party roared, the critics then spoke up, unable to adjust their old, or their, their old way of seeing things, they questioned Jesus' character and his disciples. And they start to ask this question. So Jesus, you're meant to be good. You're meant to be this son of God, this great religious rabbi. Why is it that you eat with sinners and tax collectors? And with the party and the celebration raging in full steam around him, Jesus' response is clear and direct. And it links all the way back to Luke chapter 4 that we read together earlier. Jesus simply stands up and he says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You could do a whole sermon just on this one statement alone, but we don't have time for that today. You'll be glad to know. But this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. As the great hymn proclaims, uh, last week Jenny sang it for you. I'm just going to say it so you don't have to hear my beautiful voice, but amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Jesus changes lives. We are all sick. We are all broken. And yet Jesus offers us an invitation to come and to experience his amazing, wonderful grace. An invitation to turn from our sins a call of repentance, and an invitation to follow him instead. As Jesus heals, restores, and transforms our lives, we can't help but join in the celebration and then invite others to come and join in the celebration too, to come and experience who Jesus is and who we have encountered him to be. I may have had to turn down the opportunity to watch England at Wembley in the, in the last 16 of the Euros, but I never want to turn down the invitation to follow Jesus because it's an invitation that changes everything. It's an invitation that changes lives. It might be costly. It might not be what people expect, but it's an invitation to experience life in all its fullness. And it's an invitation that is open to each and every one of us here today. So this morning, you are all invited. Jesus says, come, follow me. Will you come and join in the party? Will you accept the amazing grace that Jesus offers to us all? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you see us for who we are and where we are. 
in the midst of all that life goes around us, even when we don't necessarily see it in ourselves, you still love us and you want us to follow you. And so, Jesus, we pray that today we might hear that invitation and know it in our hearts. We thank you that you invite us to follow you, that you don't just invite the people who have it all together, but in our brokenness, in our failure, you come to offer healing that changes everything. Lord, today we pray that you would help us to follow you, to not hold on to the old way of living, but to instead be willing to let go of all that we are, of all that we have, that we might instead hold on to Jesus and follow you above anything else. And Lord, as we hold on to you, we pray that we might never cease to be lost in wonder and praise for the amazing grace that you have shown to us all that saved a wretch like me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.